Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and my guest today is another techie nerd. I love techie nerds being one. His name is Elijah Soss, and he joins us to talk about leveraging technology to better the human condition, and we're going to talk a lot about that because technology is so important. There's good, there's bad, and there's truly awful. We're going to talk about the good stuff. Now, Elijah, or Eli, as he prefers to be called, is a founding partner and CEO at Spark6, which is a creative agency that designs and builds websites, mobile apps, and custom enterprise software. And his agency sits right in the intersection of art, technology, and human connections, and he maintains an involved role in all three areas. So before entering the world of digital new media, Eli had 10 years of experience in robotics and industrial automation, which is where he first discovered his passion for bettering the human condition through technology. And I know a lot of people are going to say, what does that even mean? We're about to find out. Eli, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. It's so great to be here, Denise. Thanks for having me. Techies together. I love talking with other nerds. Techies together. Nerds <laughs> unite. That's right. I'm a nerd in stilettos, which makes me a little different. But, and I do have right, you know, right. to see my as a, closet. As a, boy, as a boy nerd, I was wondering how getting wedgies in elementary school would somehow pay off later, oh. but hey, it all, it's all worked out. <laughs> See, that didn't happen to me because I apparently don't look very friendly, and I never was, to be honest. (laughs) It's like, don't talk to me. I'm in my own head. Go away. And I think people took me very seriously about that. But listen, before we, we get started, I want you to tell people about you because you've got a fascinating history. And I also want to go really kind of deep into... The, the human condition, bettering the human condition through technology. I know a lot of us look at, oh, God, Facebook and Twitter and the nastiness that can go on through. That's not bettering us. But that's not what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's right. So tell us about you. Yeah, it's horrible. So tell us about you, and then let's just go have fun as nerds. Sure. Well, I currently reside in Salt Lake City, Utah. I moved here just prior to the pandemic from Santa Monica, California. It had nothing to do with good planning or strategy. I just got really lucky with my timing, um, and it's been it's been wonderful so far. I've got yeah. It's a, I don't know if it's so much of an interesting past as it is a really really weird past. Uh, my parents were hippie artists. I grew up in San Francisco. Um, Growing up with uh, paper mache and paints and pencils my whole childhood, I just assumed I'd be an artist too. And I think that uh, here's where I can begin dating myself. When I was five and saw the first Star Wars movie and came home and drew every spaceship and droid that I could remember from the film, I was completely obsessed with tech ever since. So where I landed a million years later at this intersection of technology and art is, is very fitting for me personally. But it wasn't a straight line. I took all sorts of curves, um, starting off studying arts uh, in college and 
kind of losing a passion for that once it got critiqued up in front of a class and a grade stamped on it. Um, I then got into <laughs> writing. Um, I then, <laughs> as a nerdy, skinny, bullied kid, got into weightlifting obsessively um, and started uh, working in a health food store. I became a personal trainer. I spent three years as a uh, male dancer, as a stripper. That was a good time. Uh, let's see, what did I do after that? I worked in an investment bank. Do I then even, I got into industrial automation. Do I robots. even want to know? <laughs> Sorry. I need to know what kind of tips you made just so that our audience has a, you know, a visual. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it, listen, it, it sounds totally wild, but it was probably the most defining period of my career uh, ever. Uh, I was super, super shy. There's no... A possible way to get over that kind of shyness faster than being uh, thrown in front of, you know, 200 women who are pull off the little clothing that you have on and then getting to learn how to dance <laughs> and all that other fun stuff. It was a, it was, it was a phenomenal experience. And later on, I spent so much time in sales and business development and then even going into investment banking that just that dealing with people on a one-on-one <laughs> on one level every single night uh, by the hundreds, it, yeah, yeah. Not that I'd reckon on that path for other people, but, you know, as a, a kid who is really into weightlifting and consuming a ton of calories and supplements and trying to figure out how do I get a return on investment from this, it seemed like a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've only seen something like this once, and I remember going, oh, I had no idea, and I happened to be this is Festival International de Lusiane, which is the, like the largest French francophone festival in the world. I think it's huge here in Louisiana, right. and everybody in that room, I was the only exception because I was part of the people moving. You know, I was I was part of the festival. I worked in the festival, and I was moving people from this place to this place and everybody in that room was 65 and up except me and they were having a ball and I was like oh, put that down your husband does your husband know? Oh, I'm telling <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> I mean honest to God I couldn't meet husbands you know I would I knew all their husbands and I couldn't look them in the eye for a week <laughs> it was fun yeah, yeah, that was another interesting insight as to uh, what a group of very intoxicated women uh, all in the same room will do with <laughs> no other observation. It was pretty eye-opening. Right, yeah. and, no, and you know, older women with no filters. I mean, the older people get the, you know, less we, ah, filters, what the heck, we don't need those. I never did need them. And, I mean, I'm walking around with these people, and I'm trying to cover my <laughs> I was going, I didn't know you could do that with a Stetson. I mean, it was amazing. I had forgotten yeah, about I, that I, until we started. I know that. Well, I know that. I also know that, yeah, not to, well, hey, this is a business, right? Um, I know that that business, that industry yeah. has kind of gone off the rails, and I've heard some crazy, crazy stories about those parties. This was pretty tame. We had to go to dance rehearsal every day. We had our little choreographed routines. Oh. It was very, um, you know, 90s Chippendale kind of flavor. So not too crazy. Not too crazy. I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thrust into the category of a sex worker or anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't quite that bad. Oh. 
<laughs> but you made some really I'm, I'm going to laugh we have an hour you're going to hear me giggling uncontrollably I'm sorry I'll just apologize right now but you brought up something really important and that's that you learned how to deal with you know what could or could not be crippling shyness or you know awareness of other people look I'm an introvert I don't do really well with people after 59 and three quarter minutes but i recognize this so i always disappear i just poof and i'm gone but right. it's not that i don't like people i like people just fine it's just they wear me out i can feel my battery little literally draining so you know that's one of the reasons i became a nerd because i do need to be left alone but the point that you made is that this episode this you know, particular episode in in your trajectory taught you how to really deal with people and avoid, you know, just kind of folding into yourself, which is what a lot of either shy people or introverted people do. And that's never a good thing. Yeah, I I totally, totally agree. And, you know, a couple of things you said there. The first is that, sure, you have this genetic uh, roulette wheel of, and, and also, of course, there is nurture as well as too how you're going to evolve as a person, what your personality type is going to be like. Are you the kind of person who just runs up to strangers and introduces yourself or the kind who dreads any sort of networking type of meeting because you're going to be in front of a bunch of people you don't know and then have to introduce yourself and tell them what you do. And I'm I'm definitely the latter. I completely dread that stuff, but I did spend a massive amount of my life re-architecting my personality in a way that it wasn't going to shut me out of a bunch of experiences. So, you know, maybe it starts as that whole fake it till you make it and evolves to a place where people would assume that you are an extrovert, you know, that you are that kind of person who would love going to a networking event, even though on the inside, like you said, it is taking a lot of your energy. And that's the part that I don't know if that ever changes, no matter how good you get at convincing yourself that you're one way versus another. I don't know if you can ever really get around that, that, that fundamental set point of here's how I'm wired. And that, you know, one of the manifestations of that is like you said, you know, sometimes you just at the end of the day, when you're subject to that stuff that you're not inherently comfortable with, get really, really tired. Just, that's true. I mean, just as an example, I spent a good part of my day yesterday away from my home office. My dog goes to her groomer. I go to my groomer. We make our appointments at the same day. So, you know, everything is done. I had lunch dates. I was in and out. Listen, by the time I got home, the dog was exhausted. I was exhausted. I'm recovering today. It's And I don't dislike people. I thoroughly enjoyed every moment of my day. But it just drained me. But I'm smart enough to know that this is how I operate, which is why I work all by myself and have done for the last 20 years. It's the only way I can really function. What do you think, what do you think would happen, Denise, if you all of a sudden switched that and put yourself in a place where you had to work within a group of people? Do you feel like you could get used to that? Or was there, was there a time in your life when that was the case and it just absolutely wrecked you every time? 
I did. You know, when I when I went back to school to get my computer science degree that nobody knows about or cares about, but I am a nerd. I had to work <laughs> during the day in somebody else. I closed my business down. It was a jewelry business. It was doing poorly because of the economy. It was just time. And I went to work as a temp. I thought I was a temp in somebody else's office and I was there for the, you know, several years that it took me to get my degree at night. Listen, I'm not a coffee clatcher. I am not going to join you in the break room or gossip with you. But once people understood that, that I was perfectly lovely to be around, they also knew that when they saw what they called ass and elbows, which meant me going out the door, they needed to leave me alone. You know, I needed to go lean against a wall and <laughs> <Right>. breathe. <laughs> they called it that. I didn't. <laughs> and, you know, nobody got offended. They just knew that they were wearing me out, and they were fine with it, but I would never do it again. So I have I have to ask you, and I know you're supposed to be asking me questions. I have to ask one question about these little um, <laughs> mommy doggy stylist dates when you when you when you go and get the hair done and the dog gets trimmed up. Is it the same stylist? Because if it isn't, that's a phenomenal new <laughs> business idea right there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I do. <laughs> We're not going to make this. <laughs> I hope people like laughter. No, but they're a mile apart, so it's all good. I drop her first, and she okay. gets to, you know, go play and get her nails done. And then I have very curly hair, which means I probably could have the groomer fix it, but no. I actually go to a real place and get pampered. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Okay. Well, I've, I've just, I, I, I that, just sent a note to my assistant to start a business plan on this uh, <laughs> uh, dog and human stylist center you can expect to see it in the neighborhood near you probably within the year. Well, you you can get your nails done. You know, you get walk out with a pretty kerchief around your neck. I mean, why not? And what about mobile? Why not your dog? All of us. Why not? The, yeah, yeah. That that I know is around. I've seen some of those. Um, especially, it's funny during COVID, you saw all sorts of uh, mobile safe types of services pop up that you never knew right. existed, uh, which. It's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> but on to this crazy thing of uh, doing good with technology and how I got into it before I digress any further. Um, about 10 years ago, I had exited from uh, a really wacky food and beverage company that I'd started with a business partner that I won't go into because that'll take the next three hours. Um, but where it left me was I never want to touch another physical product again, especially one that requires a complex supply chain with expiring products in pallets out in random warehouses and oh. with, you know, the FDA knocking on my door for inspections. It was so, so stressful. Um, but in that business, this was early, early days of Facebook marketing and fan pages and viral marketing and content marketing. That was the part I was really interested in. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is going to go somewhere. I want to do more of this. I had a friend working at a creative agency in Los Angeles. Um, I was taking a little bit of time off. We were grabbing lunch, and I, I overheard him on one of his calls. From, he was working from home, and uh, he was an interaction designer. And I, I said, wow, that's a, so it looks pretty cool. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you do? And he said, yeah, you know, it's it's my job basically to get inside of the user's head and try to build out these assumptions in a very visual way of how they're going to traverse through a digital product, whether that's a mobile app or an e-commerce site or a business website. I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's really cool. I've, I have an art background. You know, it's like, well, it's a little bit more than that. 
And I said, uh, you mind if I go to this next meeting with you? And uh, he's like, yeah, sure. So went to the meeting, talked to his client. I'm like, wow, I, I'm really interested in this in this business. Um, hey, could uh, you maybe you talk to your boss and see if I could come work for you guys? You don't have to pay me. I'll just I'll just work for free. You know, I'll, I'll be a junior interaction designer. I'll figure this out. And he's like, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a hard time imagining he's going to turn that deal down. So <laughs> I did. I worked uh, two months for free, um, eventually came on as a contractor, eventually started doing some operations, and then quickly realized from my business background of having run the last venture that there was just a much more efficient way to do this. There was a lot of automation to put in place. So we spun out, started our own agency that was 10 years ago, and one of our early clients was uh, eBay. And way back when, eBay was still thinking that they might try to catch Amazon. <laughs> so you can tell yeah. was quite Didn't a while happen. ago. Right. And, <laughs> and what's yeah, eBay right now is still kind of like the flea market. Um, but, you know, uh, Amazon had had this whole smile program where they would give a portion of any purchase proceeds to a charity that you could choose. And eBay thought, ooh, we want to check our corporate responsibility box. Um, let's do eBay Giving Works, and you can donate a portion of your auction to different charities. So that got kind of messy with trying to validate who was a real nonprofit or for-cause organization versus uh, somebody who was trying to get a cash grab. So they, they acquired a company called Mission Fish, which had 20,000 nonprofits under its umbrella, and Mission Fish would handle all of the validation to make sure that they're you know, uh, a 501c3, that all the paperwork was in order. And so, you know, we started getting passed around working on these different projects. There was like eBay Giving Works and eBay, eBay Green and different like sustainability projects. And then within Mission Fish, we got passed around as like a little boutique agency that would discount down for the nonprofits who didn't have a big budget who still needed digital product. And so it was kind of by accident, but when it started happening, I was like, wow, I really like this. Like there's all this amazing stuff going on in digital that's for a cause. It's really helping people. That's moving the needle on the human condition, you know, and we, you know, we have this inroad. So we repositioned ourselves to focus more on that. Um, the problem with a lot of those entities is they don't have a huge budget and you still have to run a business. So we've done a lot of work uh, all over the place. Um, a lot of it that we like, a lot of it that it's like, it's not bad, but it's not, you know, super exciting. It's just you know, building, building shopping sites or working for uh, telecom companies and, and, and stuff, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, we really started going after it harder at the beginning of this year. Um, like you had kind of mentioned when you were doing that intro, Denise, just about how when you hear about tech in the news uh, very often, um, it is about how it's at the center of something that is damaging, uh, whether that is, you know, tampering or with elections or right. very dangerous, right, spreading false information about health matters that are killing hundreds and thousands of people, um, of, you know, not really, you know, of, of trying to walk the line between freedom of speech and not allowing people to walk into a crowded theater and yell fire. Right. Like there's a, what's 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 happened in a nutshell is that, uh, you know, being geeky and nerdy and everything else, you, you, you understand how Moore's law works and how 
uh, exponential growth works and how like five or 10 years ago, something that seems like it's moving at an even pace, once it hits that inflection point of where it really starts being noticeable that no, it's not an even pace, it, it just keeps doubling and doubling and doubling, all of a sudden you're left in this cultural state of all of the laws and regulation being eons behind where the technology is today and everybody's trying to play catch up. And yeah, that just creates this huge storm in the media of like, wow, uh, is this all really doing more harm than good? This is really, really bad. And especially around social media, that's, you know, that's a really touchy one for me. And, you know, you and I have chatted a little bit about social media and I know you have a, some disdain for it as well. Um, I have, and I work daughters. in it. Just, you know, I work in social media. I'm I'm a digital agency like you. But I'm telling you, if you don't have any ethics in social media, don't talk to me because I will rip your head off and roll it down the the walkway. (laughs) Well, hence hence the problem, right? Like, I'm, I'm in your shoes. Like, I'm in this business too, right? And so, you know, we can make our own personal decisions about how we interact with social media, the content that we put out, how we engage with it. We can't do anything about the larger platforms. And if you want to really plant a flag no, and say, I don't like this, I don't believe in what you're doing, then what are you going to do? If you, if you step away from that, it's, it's really hard to imagine a place where you haven't also stepped away from your business because it is the business right now. Like that's just – the reality right. that we live in. That, that, right. is, that is the business, right? And, I, so that, and Eli, I think no, largely, ahead. I don't know that you're talking about Facebook, but I am, you know, I'm always, Facebook is not a popular place right now. People hate Facebook, but they have to live in it. And, you know, I'll have clients As come to me for like, you know, ethical reasons. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. It's one of those... Um, yeah, it would be like way back in the day if you had a gripe with how people were uh, running the yellow pages, and you're like, well, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. It's like, well, if you're not going to be listed, nobody's going to find you. And Facebook has right. basically, with Google, turned the ad space into this duopoly that if you don't want to participate, um, good luck. I hope you're really creative and can find some other ways to do business. And Maybe that's changing. You know, maybe that started to shift with the last release of iOS and the, uh, you know, opt-in tracking that came up from Facebook ads. Um, Maybe that's starting to shift with Apple really taking a stand on the side of privacy and kind of building all their brand equity on that side of the fence of, hey, we're all about your privacy. Yes, it's more expensive. Yes, it's a premier experience, but we're not going to sell your data. Um, so yeah, it's it's weird, Denise. I don't I don't I don't know like which way it's going to go. It's really hard, even being in this business, for me to put my finger on how the general masses feel about privacy. My my guess is that most people don't even understand it. Like they don't they understand don't. the extent to which they interact. That's exactly <laughs> right. And I'm always shocked that people don't understand. Here's one of my big things. Don't put your baby pictures, you know, your little beautiful children in bikinis. They're three years old. They're in a bikini. They're on the beach. Don't put those pictures out there. You know, the, you know where they're going to go, and you can't stop it. The, you cannot stop yeah. those pictures from being lifted and put on sites that you just wish to God you never saw. Just be careful. Yeah. You know, use some common sense. Well, that's a, you know, that's a, 
that's an interesting thing is we have the web that we all know and see and interact with every day. Then we have parts of the web. Of the dark, dark web, web is what I'm talking about. Most, yep. Yeah, most people have no idea. Where, I mean, it is the Wild West. <laughs> Anything goes. And, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. But, yeah, yeah, it's – um. There, there, yeah, this this whole discussion with privacy could go a bunch of different ways. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it nets out, like how people really feel about it and how that shapes policy. Um, for me, you know, at the beginning of the year when guys with Viking horns are storming the Capitol and, you know, white nationalism is being organized on Facebook, um, just the, the, the whole thing – uh, juxtaposed against having a teen daughter who is already subject to a lot of the dark aspects of social media and self-worth and everything else, I was ready to just bounce. I'm like, I'm done. Maybe I'll go do landscaping or something, <laughs> something that has nothing to do with the Internet or social media or anything it else. Will and yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing is, you know, the 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 way I ended up approaching it was uh, having done this as long as I have, I'm lucky enough to have a bunch of really good mentors, people I can talk to, bounce ideas off of, and uh, I'm not I'm not kidding about this landscaping thing. I just moved, had just like planted a bunch of bamboo and put in a trampoline, and I'm like, wow, it feels good to work with your hands and not just on a keyboard, be outside, get some vitamin D. This is maybe this would be a cool business and. Having to contract a lot of these services, I'm like, wow, these guys are a disaster. You know, they can't be on time. Like, I don't know when I'm getting an invoice. Uh, it took me forever to even find them. They didn't pop up in the search results. So I'm telling people, I'm like, hey, I think I could just own this industry with everything I know about software development and digital marketing. And they're like, okay, so let me break this down. You are going to leave this area of software development and digital marketing and go into landscaping, but take everything that you're using in that other business and apply it to this. So you're basically going to be doing the same thing in a different business. I'm like, okay, fair point. Let me rethink this. So what I decided to do instead was to seek out all the other people who were interested in trying to better the human condition through tech, whether that's in education or climate change and sustainability, or equality, uh, social justice, entrepreneurship, healthcare, any of these spaces where tech really does stand a chance to completely change the game as we know it, um, to keep everybody healthy, to give everybody access to the information that would allow them to keep moving in a way that works for them and be well, uh, to pick up a mindfulness practice. Um, to, to, to have healthcare through their computer and at a fraction of the cost, which I think Amazon's probably going to take that one pretty soon. But there's I'm seeing a lot so of that. Different well, opportunities. You know, there are different places where you'll say, okay, like I happen to, my, it's not really insurance, but it's kind of like insurance. And I can talk to a doctor online, I can talk to a doctor via Zoom, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have a family doctor. I'm healthy. You know, I don't, I'll tell you why I'm healthy because I live alone. No cooties are coming in my door. I never get sick. (laughs) I haven't been sick in well over a decade. I'm the girl in the bubble. (laughs) I can't tell you the last, well, I can tell you the last time I had a cold or the flu and it was 12 years ago. 
I just don't get sick. Wow. Wow. I know. Wow. But then I also, you know, have a stern talk with my immune system every day. It's like, okay, you do what I tell you to do. We'll get along just fine. Don't you, do you, don't you break down on me. <laughs> That's right. Nobody gets hurt. Just do what you're told. But, you know, the, a lot of that is happening. You can do it with veterinarians now. You can do it with doctors. It so I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, I think it's been a really interesting last year, even though it's been an incredibly difficult last year, because a lot of the old school thinking and regulation and bureaucracy and red tape that kept a lot of these legacy industries from advancing were stripped away just from necessity. So when a hospital is filled up with people being intubated and you have an ear infection, uh, you don't want to go in there and expose yourself and there's no one even there to really see you anyways. And then, oh, okay, all of a sudden my healthcare provider says that I can jump onto this little video and get a prescription right there for some uh, penicillin and get rid of the ear infection, and I'm done. Huh, why couldn't that have happened before? So, you know, the, yeah, the hope is money. that a lot of that, I mean, it's, it's, re- it's really been, you know, the great accelerator when it comes to tech. And you, you've seen this, like, in the, in the market cap, a lot of these companies like Amazon that grew, you know, 30% over the course of the pandemic, all these things that may have slowly happened over the course of 10 years uh, happened in one year. It was really wild. So it's going to be a very interesting next few years for, for innovation in these spaces. See, that's what I'm thinking. People are saying, oh, you know, it's, is COVID over? Is it still here? Or, you know, do we have to wear masks? You know, there's a lot of questions about it. But that is yes. not going to stop people like yes. you who say, look, we're on a roll here. We are seeing that there are different ways of doing things, different ways of properly and, you know, easily impacting people that are not dangerous or hopefully not dangerous, you know, that we can actually be of assistance here. And that's not going to stop. I mean, now that people are saying, hey, we don't have to follow the old rules. We don't have to do this, that, and the other. We can do something different that's much, much better. I think that opens up just a huge range of possibilities that's not going to stop in our lifetime, I don't think. It, it, it really does. I mean, the three that come to mind top of head is you have healthcare, of course, right? We already saw a bunch of changes, and my hope is that model gets much, much further disrupted. Uh, there are just mm-hmm. so many people who, if they did get sick, they're screwed. Like, that's it. There's, there's, there's no options. Uh, yeah, they're just uh, – it's, it's really, really unfortunate. Um, another one is education, right? We're kind of like when any crisis exactly. happens, uh, based on somebody's personality, they can go one way or another. They can kind of slip into uh, self-loathing and alcoholism, which, you know, a lot of that happened during the lockdowns. Or they could say, hey, I never really was into working out, but now there's all of these different online opportunities and specials, and I'm going to join Peloton and get a Peloton and do these yoga workouts through that and get on, get on this bike and do spin classes. And, you know, you saw what happened with Peloton during the pandemic and a bunch of other things where you, right. you, couldn't, you couldn't buy home fitness equipment anywhere, like anywhere it was sold out. So, you know, that was, that was a cool thing that happened out of there. And then of course you have like education. Um, 
I've got I've got three kids. Uh, one of them was in high school, the other in grade school, and the other a baby, so it doesn't matter. But the grade school kid, the the first grader, I mean, that was that was rough. You know, taking them out of the classroom environment, trying to do this at home through the Zoom schools, where you know Zoom was put on top of this as a layer just to make it happen. But it's not like there was really an existing framework to do this remote teaching before. Everybody just had to figure it out as it happened. But at the same time, you had other innovators like. Uh, my old business partner, Aaron Rasmussen, he went on to start Masterclass and left that and, and, and started something a little more highbrow where you're actually getting college credits, but it's all remote. So he'll get like the best calculus teacher in the world. And it's a lot more than just, you know, a camera in front of a classroom. This, this adaptive learning is, is, is really figuring out how you learn. And, you know, how do we get you through calculus and at a fraction of the price for the same college credits? And those are the kinds of things that, yeah, it's a, a real bummer not to be out in the wild and you're stuck in your home, but it does push the envelope of innovation. And so there's uh, – it's – yeah, it's as rough as the last year was, and who knows what's ahead of us. It, it, it really does seem kind of murky right now. Um, at, at least there are still the opportunities to – do good things out there, to, to build good things, to bring people together remotely if you can't be in person, and to just let yourself grow, whether that is with your mind or with your body. And that's exactly right. And listen, you know, you said that things look a little murky. Things are always murky. I don't know why people are saying before and after. Life is murky. You wake up, you go, hmm. <laughs> <Life is murky. laughs> You wake up and I don't know about you, I go, oh, good, I'm awake. Thank God for that. And, you know, I express my gratitude to whoever is with Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And then, you know, I go about my business. If I don't even try to peek down what's going to happen next year or six months from now, or frankly, at 2 o'clock this afternoon, I don't know. I have goals. I have plans. I have a day minder. Doesn't mean a darn thing. Life is murky. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a really I think it's a really healthy position to uh, you know set your goals, make your plans, but hold them loosely. You know, don't be yes. don't be don't, don't don't grab onto that roller coaster too tight because you don't know what direction it's going to go and it's going to throw you off. Um, so yeah, I, I think like uh, planning, you got to do it. Goals, you got to have them. And then if you can just not be super, super attached to them, because there is that wild card of, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> or at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I said 2, but I pushed it out to 3. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> you know? I mean, my attitude is you've just or got that. to go with it. Yeah, go with it as best as you can. But don't just go, <gasps> and then go do something stupid. Take a moment to Think and objectively think and use some critical skills and then make a decision. You know, don't just jump around like, you know, you're a marionette being pulled here, there, and yonder. And I would say turn off that television. Turn that crap off. But that's a whole other, <laughs> a whole other conversation. That is not better than I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's tough, right? Is uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of these tools and 
you know, when my, my seeking out of other people who are doing things in the space and trying to leave a positive imprint on humanity in any of these different verticals that are out there, uh, you know, for me, it was uh, I want to hear those stories and I want other people to hear those stories. So I, I started that podcast, The Good User Experience, which is kind of this double play of, uh, you know, in software, we build a user experience and we want it to be good and we want people to like it and for it to be intuitive. But is the user actually having a good experience, like holistically a good experience using that product or that service? Is it actually doing good? So for myself, selfishly, I want to hear those stories. I want to be inspired. And I want other people to hear those stories as well. And then back to selfishly, I want to work with those people. Those are, those are the kinds of engagements that really fire me up that, you know, I'd like to participate in. So that's been that's that's been a, a great way to do that. And if we circle back to, well, we're still on this whole suite of tools that you and I uh, have to work with every day, and we may not really agree with their policies, how they're being used, a lot of the messaging on there. Even on those, there is still a lot of good we can do. And until there is an alternative, until something better comes along, until somebody builds something a little more aspirational or until policy catches up with where tech is gone, you know, we just, we do the best we can. We put as much good stuff out there as we can, just like, you know, you talk to different people about how they are uh, building their businesses and you get that information out there. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's another way to get information out there. So we're always going to have the good stuff, the bad stuff, the indifferent stuff, the uh, stuff that just sucks your time and ships away minute after minute of your life. Um, or the things that really move the needle on uh, helping you become uh, a better, more informed, and integrated person. Exactly. And listen, I'm not in love with Facebook. I never have been, but I can't abandon it. It's not my platform. Right. I don't own a darn thing on it. My clients don't. We have to be there. But we can be the best versions of ourselves while we're there. So you don't have to fall that into... That is absolutely true. It is, and you don't have to fall into the other garbage that people are spouting. Look, I, these days on Facebook and sometimes in LinkedIn, a good part of my morning on Facebook is blocking people or unfollowing them or just saying, when did you turn into a jerk? You know, it's like, what happened to you? Oh, never mind. I don't care. You're gone. You know, I, it's kind of like, who was it that said, and I can't for the life of me remember, you are the, you basically the sum total of the five people you hang around with. It was somebody important. That's same right. thing on Facebook. Same thing on social media. If you're hanging around with jerks, you're just dirty in your own muddy water. I'm Just stop it. You know, if they are just not good to other people or good to you, and I don't care if it's your brother, dump them. You don't need to put up with it. Yeah. 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 So in, in, instead of the five people you spend the most time with, let's see, uh, 5,000 people you spend the most time with right. on your Facebook feed, right? Exactly right. And it's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think especially with uh, just a lot of the political polarity in the nation, uh, then we had all of the civil unrest around the George Floyd murder, and then we had all the COVID and fights about vaccinations and development. It really uh, you know, painted a picture when you go to your social media feed, and you had all these people that you had connected with that 
may or may not have really been your friends. They were acquaintances, maybe just somebody that you bumped into once. Um, for me, having been in Los Angeles uh, and doing a lot of bicycle racing, uh, there's just a huge community there. And that's kind of the way everybody congregates and learns about races and different group rides. And there's different groups and messenger threads and everything else. And so when that's all going down, especially after uh, George Floyd, a lot of people that I knew but didn't really know that well, this stuff starts coming across my feed, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were racist. Wow, okay. I'm just going to drop out of this and drop out of this and block this person here and that person there. So I, I think regardless of what side of the uh, fence you are on or where on that spectrum as, you know, the last crazy four years unfolded, a, a lot of people went through that. You know, a lot of people went through that. Like these connections, even though they're digital, they're still real connections and they influence you. They are. And based on they the are. platform's algorithm, they actually shape your experience on that platform as well. And that's exactly right. And, you know, I'm going to go back to something my grandma said a long, long time ago. I remember I was writing on a piece of paper. I read and, and wrote very, very young. In fact, I was reading at three years old. And my kindergarten teacher brought my mom in. She said, okay, Denise says she can read. I don't believe her. My mom says, of course she can. <laughs> and she says, have you tested her? And, and she said, well, yeah, but anybody can read dog. And my mom looked at her real funny, didn't say, and I remember this, and she said, she can read. And the teacher said, well, how can she read? And my mom looked at her and said, we didn't tell her she couldn't. And that was the end of that. <laughs> I come from a long line of kind of ticky women. We're like, don't mess with us. But, but here's the thing, and you do see this on Facebook, and you see it everywhere else. And I've done the same. It's like, oh, yeah, I am really sorry. I did not understand this about you before. Yeah, and unless right. it's somebody that I have done a lot of business with, which has only happened once, and I went, oh. I actually picked up the phone and said, listen, I'm probably not going to communicate with you much on social media because of your posts, but I like your business. I like the way you do business. Are we going to be able to stay in touch? She said, yeah, but I didn't know I sounded that bad. I said, you sound bloody awful. And she went back and she started cleaning <laughs> a lot of her stuff up. And she called me back. She said, I'm so, so sorry. You, I was, you mentioned LinkedIn as well. Have you also LinkedIn is getting as bad. Yes. Yeah, it's getting as – it's rare and it's what well, was rare. But anymore, people are just getting too comfortable on LinkedIn, I think. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've really been trying to make an effort since earlier in the year and deciding to take this position of just going all in with good on all these platforms and putting out as much as I can. And, and LinkedIn for me has been especially interesting because it's kind of like Facebook back in 2009, where if you did put something up there, you stood a pretty good chance of quite a few people seeing it. Um, now, unless you pay for that, nobody's going to see anything on right. Facebook. Like yeah. the algorithms just aren't going to favor organic content. But but LinkedIn has this kind of asymmetrical uh, uh, creation versus reach uh, algorithm right now. Uh, at least for now it does. I'm sure that'll change. Right. But yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like it's a lot more civil. I, I don't feel like people are really uh, – 
looking to be outraged or responding to outrage or posting super controversial things. Um, what kind of experience have you had on there? It's rare, but it's growing, and that bothers me. But let me go back to what I was going to say about my grandma, because you just mentioned, too. Yeah. Because we're talking about what people will state as gospel on social media. And my grandma, and I remember writing something, my grandma said, Honey, just remember, whatever you write, make sure that you don't put something down that shouldn't be on a billboard. I said, okay. And that stuck with me. <laughs> Basically, you have no privacy. Look, I was a kid, and she was telling me, you don't have any privacy. I didn't recognize that at the time, but you know, it stuck with me. But here's the thing. people. Hold put, on, hold on, hold on. When, when, did she, when did she tell you this? This is, this is very was, insightful. I was probably about 10 years old. So she told you this under the premise of just a kind of ethical life lesson of you don't want to put this stuff out there unless you'd want it on a billboard. When today that translation is it's literally on a billboard. It's there for It's on a billboard. That's exactly (laughs) right. If you put it out there, you can't hardly get rid of it unless you pay big money to have somebody go clean up after you, which my agency does, and I think your agency does as well. But the thing is, (laughs) I'm like, like, that's exactly right. And the thing is, I and you, I mean, if I'm on social media, you'll see me talking about my cats. And that's tactical. I'm doing that because who doesn't love cats? If you don't, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. You're not human. But here's the thing. I, I am not being an introvert. There are no pictures of me on the Internet. You're not going to learn a whole lot about my personal life. It is personal. But my cats are nuts. They are bat crap crazy. They're funny. And they're entertaining. So I will put them out on social media. And one of my cats is God's honest truth. He's a hashtag. Hashtag Hamilton is an ass. He gets Christmas cards from my friends on Facebook. (laughs) You know, there are ways. (laughs) There are ways to be personable and friendly and nice and still give out great information, factual information, or as factual as you can make it, without being a jerk. So that kind of goes to the two oh, points. Your cat's going to crawl about. on top of you one night, claws out, and say, what about my privacy? What about my okay. privacy? It's going to come out to you. Him. I, I have pictures of him looking at my monitor while I'm typing about him. So he's, it's crazy. But, but here's the thing. I mean, so, you can do really good work on social media if you are cognizant that you don't have to be ugly or nasty or political or vicious in some cases, just, you know, be you, but be the best you you can be and do good in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, especially in this business we're in, there is this kind of divide of, okay, you have all of your users who, yeah, are putting pictures of cats or the burrito they have for lunch or whatever, <laughs> you know, else it might True. be. Then you have the, the, the business side of it where you are actually trying to get a message out there. Maybe that message is about your business or, you know, maybe it's about just, you know, trying to spread as much positive news as you can about anything. And that doesn't have to be personal. Maybe sometimes it can be. So, yeah, I think there's a bunch of different approaches. Um, I was, I was going to ask you back to your billboard comment. I'm not sure what uh, your teen years were like, but uh, how happy are you that they weren't documented on the internet? Like I'm actually pretty grateful that. <laughs> you have no that, idea. 
<laughs> technology wasn't around <laughs> when 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 I had a chance of making lots of quote unquote billboards. Um, well, I you mean, and I both grew up you know, in I, <laughs> No, you and I both grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. I wandered around Haight Ashbury like I had good sense. I've never smoked, I don't drink, and I've never done drugs. I was an observationist. I observed a right. lot of people and went, Oh, I'm never doing that. But have you ever met a teenager who wasn't a sociopath? I mean, come on. Nobody wanted right. to know me then. I didn't want to know me then. I was a brat. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it sounds like you were a brat, but you kept your head down. And, you know, I am constantly having to remind my daughter that anything that goes on Instagram, and I don't care if your account is private or not, um, it's on the web. Like it is on a server somewhere. It's there forever. Whatever picture you post, whatever you say, you have to go back and assume it's like your grandmother talking to you. Like it's on a, it's on a billboard. It'll, you know, it's going to, it's going to come back. I'm, you know, I I don't care about talking about being a stripper, you know, my early twenties now. I just think it's kind of funny and there were some good life lessons in there. Do I want to hear story? Probably not. Like I I I don't want I don't want video of me uh, having to like reenact this scene from Ghost where I'm Patrick Swayze and doing like these horrible dances and like, you know, early 90s outfits. Um, I, I, don't, I don't need that. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy that my earlier life wasn't documented on the web. And I think that is a big challenge for a lot of today's youth and kind of where some of cancel culture has gone, where uh, somebody will go back 10 years and hold somebody accountable for something they did when they were a kid. You know, when they that, had yeah. no good sense or judgment about them. Um, yeah, and say, no, you did this, here it is. It's, you left your digital footprints, and now you're screwed. And some of it's just crazy stuff. I mean, when you're a teenager, your mind is not functioning well. I don't care what anybody says. I know mine wasn't. I just knew everything. I was the boss of the universe. I was obnoxious. All teenagers <laughs> are obnoxious. And I'm not sure that some of that doesn't live in me still, truly. It's just we are what we are. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, with social media, you have to, I think, if you really need to be nasty and you really feel like nobody's going to bloody your nose, I hope somebody bloodies your nose. I really do. One way or another. Just stop it. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, the people who really uh, go out there and take that position, they're looking for that. They're looking for the fight. They're looking for the outrage. It's what gives them energy. It's just how they're wired. And on the web, you can do that at scale. You know, you don't have to go out on the street and bump somebody the wrong way and then try to pick a fight with them. You can do that hundreds of times a day as a web troll. And, uh, you know, get your rocks off over and over and over again. That's just how some people are wired. Now, what's interesting is that the people that aren't wired like that, who become offended at the behavior, and then they engage and they just end up giving those people what they want. So, like we were saying earlier, the best strategy is just Walk to off. brush that aside, mm-hmm. get, it, get it out of your face. It's just a couple of mouse clicks away. You know, it's uh, it's not, it's really, it's really not that hard to just get that stuff out of your life. It really isn't. And, you know, it's also a, a growth industry being completely nasty. People are being paid for that. 
They're called trolls. They're being paid. You know, I don't know who's paying, but, you know, you can see them on Mail Online. You can see them on Facebook. You can tell that they have an itinerary that they're they're following, not itinerary, but you know what I mean. But they have been told what they're supposed to do, and they get paid, and they're having a ball. Ignore them. Starve them to death. Yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, the people who are getting paid the most are the platform owners. So when you, you know, know. when you look at Facebook and how its ad tech works, how the algorithm works, it's basically architected over this concept of outrage, over adversity, over hate, right? And 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 that's where, you know, foundationally things are uh, really really unfortunate because. It doesn't necessarily have to be people. It can be uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of bots that are deploying false information that's going to outrage a certain group of people, but uh, give another entitled group of people some reason to defend it for whatever reason. If you know, maybe they think Tom Hanks is a pedophile lizard person, right? And that's their belief system, and so they're going to defend the bots. And then this happens at scale. And when you have that kind of engagement, nothing, nothing creates better engagement than an angry user, an outraged user, a user who feels like they're wrong. They will keep coming back. They will check every comment. They will check every like, everything else in between. And that's how you sell ads. That's how you build ad tech is through engagement. And so when the product itself, when the success of it is based on how much outrage can you create, because that's going to actually make your ad tech more profitable, you really do have a fundamental problem with, is this good for people? <laughs> that's, exactly. that's, kind of, that's kind of like where the problem lies, right? Very much so. And you know what my rule of thumb is, and then I, I wanted to ask you about some of the, the really good things that you guys have done. My sure. Here's my rule of thumb. If I'm not going to invite you to my home, or if you knock on my door, don't bother, because there's a sign that says, do not knock or ring the doorbell. It's been there for years, and I mean it. <laughs> and you know who ignores that sign? I, I imagine you're living in like this underground bunker, Denise, like no. uh, 15 <laughs> feet underground, and there's just a no. there's just an iron manhole at the front that you got to open up with a no, special key. No. I have a lovely home. It's got a lot of windows. In fact, somebody came around two days ago. Some guy with an iPad, and he was knocking on the door and ringing the doorbell. And I looked at him, pointed at the sign, and kept on going. He came back again the second time, and that time I hit the door camera, and I said, can you read? He said, yes. I said, read and leave now, and he did. He took off running. <laughs> wow. I sounded really neat because I was ticked. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, if you are going to, you know, if if you're talking to people online or arguing with people online and you wouldn't have them in your home at any point, what the heck are you doing? Why are you wasting time yeah. with these people? That was my point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, you and I have talked a lot about, you know, in, innovation and the things that you're doing that have a positive imprint on humanity. Humanity. What are you guys up to right now? Yeah. So, I mean, we've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of clients like in the space of education and the arts and uh, wellness and equality and all these things that we're really passionate about. And when I think about bettering the human condition, it also gets into some of the nuances that you wouldn't quite think about in those other genres. Uh, One of them, the older that I've got is my time. How do I get more of my time back? How do I 
how do, how do I get around wasting time or throwing time at things that aren't necessary? And so one of the things that came up around that was my business partner, Eric, lives in Orange County. And when I was in Santa Monica and we have our office there, even though it's only a, I don't know, like a 27-mile drive because it's L.A., that's about three and a half hours each way. Mm-hmm. We only see each other once a week so he wouldn't lose an entire work day of commuting. And when we see each other, that first two hours was spent with, hey, have you seen this new documentary on Netflix? Hey, did you read this new business book? Have you listened to this podcast? Oh, I just got this new surfboard leash. This is the best thing I've ever had. So we kind of take these copious notes and, you know, try to remember to read that book, listen to that podcast, invariably forget it. You know, over the course of a week, next time I turn on Netflix, I'm going through the menu thinking, I know there was something, maybe I wrote it down that I was going to try to watch with this like miraculous one hour window that I have. And so, you know, Eric, for the longest time, had bugged me like, hey, can't you just build me some sort of a little app like, a, like you have your password locker, but I want it to be a locker for the things people recommend me and that I always recommend other people. So I could just do it quickly and it's on my list. And I'm like, that's interesting, but I don't know, a little dull, little, little too just much of a utility like Evernote or Apple notes. I'm like, what if it worked like other social platforms, but instead of following the pictures of political uh, outrage and kittens and burritos, I just saw the hey, that people kittens, found that they love. <laughs> I can no longer speak with you. (laughs) We're we're done. What if what if your whole feed what if your whole feed was just your friends whose taste you trust that found things that they absolutely loved? And you know, instead of going on Amazon and reading five hundred reviews that range from five stars to uh, oh my god, the baby stroller wheels came off and almost, you know, uh, killed my baby, this is horrible. Oh, I can't live with that, even though it has like 3,000 five-star reviews. Okay, I'm, I'm back to the bottom of the list again. I'm going to spend another two hours researching baby strollers. What if I just followed that person who uh, you know, I respected as a parent, who I knew did tons and tons of research on their baby products. I saw the stroller they got. They vouched for it. Boom, I could just get it too. So we built this thing out, and it's in the category of products, services, food, and media. And so you can follow your friends. Um, If you want, you can actually follow influencers in the space. Um, After recently moving to Utah, uh, I I met all these people who go hunting, which I never had that experience in Los Angeles. And some of these guys are really into bow hunting. And I'm like, ooh, that feels kind of cool and primal. I'd love to learn about that. And I know, you know, Joe Rogan on his podcast, he's always talking about bow hunting. And he also has endless resources and people to tap for expertise. So if I could follow Joe Rogan and just see all the gear that he got, I'd know it's the best of the best. I don't have to do research. I don't have to throw my time into that. So that's what we started building. And we're going to put it out into iOS and Android in a couple of weeks. And that's a total separate company from the agency. But over the years, like we you know, come across these itches that nobody else is going to scratch for us. You know, I gave it a good year and a half with this one. Like, isn't somebody going to build this? You know, we told people about the idea, like, hey, you should do this. (laughs) Like, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, So we ended up building it ourselves, and that'll be uh, pretty soon. I'm I'm, I'm super excited about that and just, uh, yeah, letting people have a, a straight line to their social circle and the things that all of their friends vouch for. And it's called Vouch. Vouch Vault is the name of the product. 
You know, it's amazing that you're talking about something like that because I actually posted on Facebook this morning because I have a mind like a sieve. We all do. And I posted something along the lines of do you make mental notes to think about something later and then realize that you probably need notes about your mental notes. You're talking about exactly what I was thinking about this morning. <laughs> I do it. I do it all the time. I'm like, I, I know. I maybe wrote this down somewhere. Was that a journal entry, or did I put that in my I Apple know. notes, or was that an email, a text message? Yeah, I've yeah. Done, so it's yeah. kind of like the the basics of the basics of this is you, you know you have a feed of people you can follow whose taste you trust in different categories. And then uh, whenever you see something, you're like, ooh, that looks interesting. Oh, I've been looking for an espresso machine. I'm just going to add that of my list of things to try. And just one tap, and it goes in your little separate feed of these are all my things to try. If you try it and you end up loving it too, then you can vouch for it. So it's very binary. You know, we're not putting out like, oh, this is one star. I hated this product. Or, oh, the waiter at this restaurant was rude. It's like, no. If it was a, a collectively great experience, then you vouch for it. Then it goes on there. If these are the best breakfast tacos that you've had in West LA and you vouch for them, then you put them on there and you can say why you love them. <laughs> I love that idea. When is it going to be available? When is it launching? We're about two weeks out from being live in the app store. All right. You're going to let me know, right? I absolutely will. I'm going to let everybody know. <laughs> But I feel I felt so special there. You have my email address. I want an email. Listen, I just <laughs> before I let you go, and I just lost my dashboard. We were having trouble getting on to begin with, but I just lost my dashboard, which means I won't be able to play the the exit. But I do. I'm just going to have to hang up on you, which is rude, but that's what's going to have to happen. So um, the Irish, the Irish goodbye. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there you go. So listen, before I let you go, tell people where they can find you, and then and I want to tell you thank you. It has been wonderful chatting with you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I can be found all over the Internet now. Um, so I, on LinkedIn, uh, my name is Elijah Sauce, and it's a, a very creative spelling of my last name. Hungarians hate vowels, I guess. It's S-Z-A-S-Z. Uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I post there almost every day. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Spark6Agency, S-P-A-R-K, and the number six agency. Um, I'm not really doing too much on Facebook, Facebook the good old Facebook. Um, I write on Medium as well. If you put my last name in Medium, it'll come up there. And I also uh, still use email. I just do it like once a week. But I love to hear from people, and I do reply to all my email. That's Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H, at spark6, S-P-A-R-K, the number six, dot com. Wonderful. Eli, thank you. It really has been fun speaking with you. And now I have images in my head that probably shouldn't be there, but I'll work on that. So <laughs> thank you. Good work. For, <laughs> for the next chapter. Thank you so much, Denise. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you Have so much. Before, you too. Before we say goodbye, I'd like Take to care. remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes and really anywhere else you consume your business podcast. Just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. And thank you. <laughs>